0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Oh God, as we enter into a time of ministry of your word, that you would impress upon us just how precious we are to you in this uncertain world and in these uncertain times. But Lord, that more than just loving us in our lives, but you love us too. In our deaths, and that you are near us, uh, even in the valley of the shadow of death. We pray that your spirit would speak this truth to us this morning for our good, but above all for your great glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, during this time of quarantine, uh, I've spent a lot of time contemplating my own mortality. Uh, thinking about my own death, and in a way that I didn't before, Uh, like you, even though you probably wouldn't admit it, there were times when I would fantasize about my own funeral, Uh, what people would say about me, uh, and uh, how things would go in the service, and uh, how glorious and wonderful it would be. Uh, But that's actually not necessarily a bad thought. In fact, uh, maybe now is a good time uh, for us to think uh, about our funerals. What would we once said uh, what would we want people walk away walk away thinking uh, about us, uh, but moreover, about God and who we are in relationship to Him? But as time has gone on, uh, I've stopped thinking less. I've started thinking less about death. Uh, in fact, uh, you can see around us that people are now saying, well, maybe it's not so bad. Uh, maybe it's okay for me to get a tattoo now. Uh, or maybe it's okay for me to go to the bowling alley uh, that I've missed so much uh, during this time of quarantine. Uh, but the reality is, is that uh, it's still very serious, and this is probably a really good time for us to contemplate our own mortality and to think about our deaths. And I want us to do that this morning in light of what the psalmist tells us in Psalm one sixteen, verse fifteen: "Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints." Well, what does it mean that we're precious to God? Over and over again, the Bible tells us about how God loves and sustains His people uh, in good times and in bad. Jesus says it wonderfully in the Sermon on the the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, beginning with the 25th verse. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And again, in verse 28, he says, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. That God cares for us and that we're precious in his sight, that not a sparrow falls from the sky without him knowing about it. How much more precious are we to him than they? The way that Peter puts it in his sermon from Acts this morning, is his great love for his children and those are they whom God has called to himself. That's who he loves. He loves his people. He loves those whom he was ransomed. He intervenes in their life. He sustains them. He cares for them. And just when it seems darkest and most grim in our lives, We often read the two greatest words, I think, in all of the Bible, but God, but God intervenes to sustain us. Now, for many of us, that's a truth that that we hold on to and that we readily believe that God does care for us and that we're precious in His sight here in this life. But what about in death? Death is is a terrible thing. It's an enemy, the Bible calls it. And, and it's a reminder of our separation from God and the effects of sin here in this world, especially upon us. And death is an inevitable uh, reality for all of us. We can't escape it. And it's harder for us to imagine where God is in our deaths than it is to see Him in our life, in our living but Jesus tells us himself how he feels about death and what his response is and where he is even in the midst of our own deaths. In John chapter 11, in the death of Lazarus, Jesus goes with his disciples to Bethany outside of Jerusalem where he ministers to other disciples, Mary and Martha and Lazarus whom he loved. And hear Jesus' response to Lazarus' death. John chapter 11, beginning with the 33rd verse. When Jesus saw Mary weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. The shortest verse in the entirety of the Bible John eleven thirty five. 35. Jesus wept. And I want us to really get a handle on what it means that Jesus wept. Elsewhere in this passage, we hear that he's, that he's deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And so what the Bible is trying to tell us is that when Jesus is weeping, it's not the slow trickle of tears Uh, it's it's not that the response to Jesus is, oh, see how he loved him. Isn't that just so nice? But actually, the response to the Jews is one of astonishment. It's almost as if they're saying, golly, see how he loved him didn't know that Jesus loved him that much because the kind of crying that Jesus is doing is the kind of crying that many of us have experienced in our own lives where we cry until we have no more tears and even cry so much and are so overwhelmed by the moment that we find ourselves even drooling. It's a mess. It's embarrassing. But that's the kind of crying that Jesus is doing here. He's greatly moved And he's troubled in his own spirit. But it can't simply be because Lazarus himself has died. It must be something more because Jesus knew that he would be raising Lazarus from the dead. He knew with his creative word he could say, Lazarus, come out, and life would be brought back into the dead man's body. And so why is Jesus so overwhelmed? Why is he weeping like this? I think Tim Keller is right in saying that that's because Jesus in this moment, as he's about to enter into Jerusalem to undergo his own death, his own divine appointment there in Jerusalem on a hill called Calvary, that Jesus sees every single funeral that he's not going to be at physically, That he's not going to be able to say, brother, come out. Sister, come out. And like a gladiator enters into the arena to do battle, now Jesus enters into that arena to to do battle with death. Death itself, the last great enemy. And so in our own deaths, there is Jesus. Weeping while we weep, giving us a word that we need to hear like he did with Mary and Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. But then he also weeps, and weeps in a way that may seem disproportionate to the world, And yet that's how deeply he feels in your death and in my death and in the death of those whom we love, whom Jesus has called to himself to be his sons and his daughters. And that's just it, isn't it? That's who Jesus weeps over, his sons and his daughters. These saints Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. And who are these saints? Yes, as Peter said, they're those who have been called into fellowship by our Heavenly Father. And I love the way that John talks about it in the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? John said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to him, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. If you are a saint, it means that you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. That you've come under the cleansing tide of Jesus' blood that He's regenerated you. And in response, you've turned to Him in faith and said, My Lord and my God. And your life has changed forever. And the promise that is for you and for your children, that God's Holy Spirit, the very Spirit that raised Jesus up from the dead, comes and dwells within you. And with that Spirit dwelling within you, you have the hope of eternal life. And so when we contemplate our own deaths... Yes, death is still a great enemy, as Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15. And yet Jesus has conquered and will conquer that that death, and one day we will live in a world where death will be no more. And so we're not to fear death. Of course we'll miss our loved ones. And yet, for the Christian As one of the old Puritans, Thomas Watson said, I'm sorry, Thomas Brooks said, Death may be the best day of our lives. Thomas Brooks preached a sermon at the funeral of a lady named Martha Randall in which he said that, calling a believer's last day on earth his or her best day. Uh, Brooks demolished the the conventional view of death as an earthly calamity, And I'd like to read to you some excerpts from this great funeral sermon. Here's what he said about a Christian's death. When death shall give the final stroke, there shall be an exchange of earth for heaven, of imperfect enjoyments for perfect enjoyments of God. Then the soul shall be swallowed up with a full enjoyment of God. No corner of the soul shall be left empty but all shall be filled up with the fullness of God. Here in this present world they receive grace, but in heaven they shall receive glory. God keeps the best wine until last. The best of God, Christ and heaven, is beyond this present world. Here we have but some sips, some taste of God. Fullness is reserved for the glorious state. He who sees most of God here on earth sees but his back parts. His face is a jewel of that splendor and glory which no eye can behold but a glorified eye. And so there's a sense in which those of us who are saints understanding how precious we are to Christ he becomes precious to us as well. And there's a sense of homesickness that we develop as we long for our heavenly home to behold our Savior as He is. And this creates a great dilemma. It doesn't create a, morbid, a morbidity amongst those of us as Christians uh, because Paul himself struggled with this. And I hear it, especially saints who have grown older, who say things like, I'm ready to die. And normally a family member will say, oh, mother, father, please don't say that. And yet what they're doing is they're articulating the truth of the matter that they long to see Jesus and that this world has nothing for them anymore. And they long to be home. They long for their full deliverance. And this is what Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 24, when he says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better." But to remain, remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Paul articulates the struggle that we all have when we think of our own death, that yes, we will regret leaving those behind whom we love And to be in the body in this world is to be given over to service in the Lord Jesus Christ and to the furtherance of his kingdom for the spread of his gospel. But to die is gain. And we find ourselves hard pressed between the two. So, what do you think? when you think about your own death. And I would encourage you to sit down, plan out your own funeral service. Think about that day when you were to be called home. So many of us have been touched uh, by this time of quarantine. Uh, I have three friends who have died from COVID-19. I lost a friend last week to suicide, from being cooped up and left to themselves and feeling like they were hopeless and had nowhere to turn. What we're about right now is, is serious business, not that it's any less serious in any other times in our lives, but now I pray that God gives us some perspective. And so think on these things. Think of what it means to live while in this world, to live for the Lord Jesus Christ but to also understand that to die is gain. Thomas Brooks continues in this great sermon with these words, Christians, what is your whole life but a day to fit for the hour of death? What is your great business in this world but to prepare and fit for the eternal world? It was a sad speech of Caesar Borgia, who being on his deathbed said, when I lived, I provided for everything but death. Now I must die and am unprovided to die. Ah, Christians, you have need every day to pray with Moses. Lord, teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts to wisdom See that Christ be your Lord and Master, and then your dying day shall be to you as the day of harvest to the farmer, as the day of deliverance to the prisoner, as the day of coronation to the king, and as the day of marriage to the bride. Your dying day shall be a day of triumph and exultation, a day of freedom and consolation, a day of rest and satisfaction." precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints, the death of our loved ones who have put their trust in Him, and even your death, His son, His daughter. He cares for you while you walk the ways of this world, but moreover, He cares for you in your death. Let us pray. God, our great and heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us to understand how precious our death is. And Lord, to give us a godly understanding of, of looking forward to that death, not in a morbid fashion or even to simply uh, escape uh, from the trials of this world, uh, but, no, but to know what it means to be with you But Lord, while we are in this world, help us to make the most of our time uh, that we might understand that this life is in preparation for that great day when we're called home to join the rest of your saints who have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and now surround your throne ministering day and night. In Jesus' name, amen.